Disclaimer, the contents of this podcast do not constitute medical or professional advice. Do not reflect the, the opinions of the affiliates, promotional sponsors, and or advertising agencies, and only reflects the opinions of the members and guests. This podcast contains explicit content and offends everyone equally. VTSR expressly disclaims any and all liability relating to any action taken or not taken based on any or all contents of this podcast. You've been warned. Main sponsors, Gnostifiance Group, LLC. For all your training, consulting, and special operations solutions needs for military, law enforcement, and private clients. Uptown Autoglass, for all your glass needs located in Columbus, Georgia. Atax Camo, you won't even see them coming. Sing it with me. Take it away, JP. What's going on, my brother? How you doing, man? I am that. Oh, geez. Let's be honest, dude. This this 2020, the year that James Bond failed and all the supervillains have unleashed all the evil into the world, <laughs> has kicked my ass. Um, I have not left Canada since March. I have not left my home to go further than the grocery store or the gym in months. And I'm getting a little stir crazy. <laughs> uh, even Bob's tired of talking to me and he's mute. So um, I'll tell you what, Bob, Bob sounds like a good listener, man. I can tell you that. He is a great listener and he can take a punch. Um, that's for sure. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's been a struggle. Um, this, this isolation slash social distancing slash, uh, urge to start a fans only page and stuff like that. It, it's, you know, all these bad decisions that you can make by yourself, but still have people around you kind of influencing you is it's tricky. So, um, like I'll, I'll say this, I have achieved something JP. I have mastered call of duty. I am amazing at it. I can do it while I'm on the treadmill. And the only thing that screws me up is when we jump in, because I have flashbacks to the, you know, the shoot and the risers as you're trying to do the landing. And I'll be very honest, you cannot do a proper landing while on a treadmill with a controller in your hand. It just doesn't work. You fall off, the dogs laugh at you, you get back on and, you know, get back into the game. So anyways, I'm okay. It's been, it's been a struggle. Uh, I'm looking forward to human contact again someday. You know, I understand ET wanting to touch people. <laughs> so. Oh man! Well, hey, to your benefit, I can tell you, uh, there's no such thing as a proper landing. Even if you had a, you don't have a controller in your hands, man. You're gonna land like shit every single time, man. It's oh like yeah. <laughs> I remember bouncing my head off the uh, the uh, the ground five times when the Sergeant Major come running over, grabbed me by the collar, shaking me to see if I'm still alive. Are you okay? I'm like, yeah. And he's like, good. Get back to work. Okay, cool. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, it's been it's been okay here. You know, it's getting really hot. Like like you know, the listeners know I'm I'm still at Fort Benning. Yeah, I've been yes. here since April. Uh, 
still working this contract, but it's getting hot here. It's getting muggy. Like it's every day is like 68 degrees. I mean, 68% uh, humidity. Uh, and it's not that hot. It's about 89. It gets to the 92s maybe, but that humidity, man, kicks your butt every single time. Oh, yeah. Time. But it's okay. Supporting the army, taking care of the soldiers here. And that's what it's all about. That's really why I'm doing it. Uh, and then... Uh, Besides that, uh, to everyone listening, uh, you don't hear the other voice. Our grumpy friend Mike is not here today. Uh, but that was totally a uh, production uh, what scheduling is it? Well, issue. Scheduling issue and, and a mistake on our part. <laughs> yes, there's some flaws. Please in our don't system. blame Mike. It was not his fault. Uh, yeah. So we're going to blame if somebody needs to be blamed. So uh, let me see uh, who are we going to blame? Nate. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so Nate is to blame for Mike not being here today. But anyways, we're, we're working on a fix for that issue. Uh, but uh, yeah, man, uh, everything is good, man. Uh, still working his contract, like I said. Uh, uh, I've been keeping in touch with everyone. Uh, I got a, already a few friends that call me and they're like, man, I'm going crazy. What do I do? You know, so I, I, I'm like, dude, just call me at any time, man. Wake yeah. me up. I don't care. I'm like, just call me up. You, you need to talk to someone. You know what? You let's do it i can't play playstation with you because i don't have it here but you know it's like i'll just talk to you man it's cool you're, you're meeting work no the, the cool thing that we that's kept you and i occupied um in our spare time and has been a good project is working with lima charlie clothing company yeah, oh, that, yeah. that's that's been fun i'll tell you what that's that, that have kept me bi- not only busy but it's just opening up other stuff for us to do as well so yeah exactly so, um, and for the listeners, if you, if you didn't listen to the last one when we had the Special Forces Foundation, uh, we talked about the three uh, Battle Body Three Gun match. So listen to that episode, and you'll know what we're talking about. That uh, the guys at Lima Charlie and Nate and myself were working on. Uh, so that's going to be a good good project coming up. Yeah. Now, speaking of good projects and uh, good shows, I hear we have some interesting stuff scheduled for today's show uh no just me i'm here no actually no we do we do got some interesting stuff uh for today you know what uh so what is really interesting about the guest that we have today is that uh hold on let me let me do something here because uh all right what is really interesting is that the uh the guest that we got today is our first guest that we have that it was actually a listener. He listened to our podcast and uh, he said, hey, check it out, guys. Uh, I can, com- I like what you guys are doing and, and I think I can contribute to, uh, to pass some knowledge and information or at least my experiences on, on transitioning. And we're like, oh man, that's pretty cool because we've been talking about it, right, Nate, for a long time. We've yeah. been going like, man, we wish that people listen and, and they're, they're willing to speak up. But the problem is we got a lot of people that are so proud. They don't want to tell people what they went through or what they're going through. But it's okay because we got other, other people that are willing to talk about it. And then maybe those listeners can learn from them or at least get something out of it. Uh, so we got today, we got uh, our great friend, Kevin. So Kevin is a Green Beret. He's a Harvard and MIT graduate. So that tells you right now, he, uh, you guys can wait for a lot of cool words all right because he is smart uh he is also a public speaker he's an author and he is the uh, board member at the green beret foundation so this guy 
does it all, jack of all trades, and uh, and like I said, super smart. So if if you see my wow face, that means I didn't understand a word. So without, without any further ado, here is here's our friend Kevin. Hey, Kevin, what's going on? JP, hey, thanks, man. Thanks for that introduction. I got nowhere to go but down from there now. <laughs> Oh my God, man. Welcome to the show. So real quick before we get into you. Uh, uh, so you were listening to our podcast, right? And then you go like, oh man, snap. How, how did that happen? Well, I, I say I like to make mistakes um, and go through the pain and suffering so that other people don't have to. So um, I had a really interesting transition out of the army um, you know, with uh, kind of what had happened to me towards the end of my career. And know, going to grad schools like Harvard and MIT, and it was a big, big, a lot of humility, a lot of humility, a lot of lessons that I learned. And, you know, when I was going through all that, um, one of the things that kept me going was like, hey, I think you're going to be able to help some people at some point with the lessons you're learning. And so that's just one of the things I try to do uh, with the Green Beret Foundation or just in general with my social media or one-on-one -on -one conversations with vets is take those very hard learned, uh, humiliating <laughs> lessons that I learned throughout my transition and give them to other people. So when, you know, listen to a couple episodes of, of you guys on here, I was like, uh, hey, I got some stuff to share with them too. That's awesome. All right. So uh, Kevin, what, uh, can you tell us a little bit about you? You know, where is Kevin from? Where, where did he grow up? You know, where he went to school? Tell us all the story about you. Sure. Yeah. I grew up in a small town in upstate New York, actually, right next to the Saratoga battlefield, the turning point of the Revolutionary War. So for me, you know, military history is always really big in my family, you know, talking about World War II, you know, my, my grandfather and my uncles and everything that had served. And, and it was awesome growing up in this small town because there's just incredible tight-knit community. Uh, I had great coaches, great teachers, great mentors, people just super involved in your life. So I think that that was a big thing that really started my path in life, you know, having the ability to grow up in a small town and have my parents, right? Every day before I left school, my mom would kiss me on the cheek and say, you're a flight, you're an achiever, right? She didn't tell me I was owed anything. She's like, you need to get your ass out there and work, right? And my father was an entrepreneur and, you know, he grew up poor, graduated second to last in his high school class, but he just said, you know what, I, I don't want to be poor anymore. And he, you know, eventually became a self-made millionaire through his entrepreneurial pursuits. And so that was like the household that I grew up in. So I had a mother who really believed in me um, and just was like, you're going to achieve great things in life. And a father who, you know, had this mentality of like, this is a vision that I have and I'm going to work like no other person to get there. And so kind of have that atmosphere growing up, it just set the bar really high for me and showed me what I could accomplish. And I was really fortunate to attend an all boys Catholic military school. I, I didn't feel fortunate at the time. I'll be honest. I went there for six <laughs> years, right? Like we would march at gym class. I, you know, we'd wear dress uniform every day, inspection, military grooming standards since I was 12. Uh, but it was awesome because it, it taught me three things, right? To love God, to love country and put other people above yourself. And so that's where I really became fascinated with like, Hey, I, you know, I want to serve, right? I want to put others above myself. And I felt like the way that I could do that was the military. And I saw this uh, Navy SEAL Hell Week video that, that famous like Discovery, that famous uh, Discovery Channel um, episode that was out there. And 
Oops, sorry, I'm having a problem with my computer here. Uh, so I, I saw this saw this Navy SEAL Hell Week video when I was 14, and I was like, man, like that looks awesome. Like that's what I want to do with my life. Like that's the way that I can serve. That's the way I can put other people above myself. And so I just was fascinated with special operations. And then 9-11 happened my senior year of high school. And I'm like, wow, so this is a fascination that you have. Now it's your duty. The country is under attack. And so I went to college afterwards um, fully with the intention of, you know, I'm going to do my four years and I'll go to OCS. I'll be an officer. I went to a place called Union College, small liberal arts school in upstate New York. And, you know, throughout that whole time, like, I think, too, I was in 2002 to 2006, I was a political science major. You know, we're talking about the wars, like, on a daily basis there. And at this, you know, very liberal campus, like, I'm, like, the, the one guy raising my hand supporting the war, supporting Afghanistan, supporting Iraq. And so it just became really apparent to me then, too, that, you know, you're fascinated with this. The country's under attack, right? You, you, just as your duty and you're vocally supporting these, right? So if you don't get out there and put your money where your mouth is, then you're a hypocrite. And so I, I was like just dead set on, I was going to join the military no matter what. And so I started surveying the special operations branches because I was just so fascinated with how hard it was, the barrier to entry, the camaraderie, the dangerousness of the missions. And after surveying all that, you know, there is in the Navy and Air Force, Army, Marine Corps, the Green Berets just stood out, right? They oppress Oli Bear to free the oppressed. Uh, to me, there was nothing else more I wanted to do in my life, like learning languages, working with the guys, you know, really getting into it with them. So, you know, that's the decision that I made. I wasn't very popular. Um, I was walking away from a family business that was doing about $20 million in revenue a year to go make a $40 a day down at that beautiful Fort Benning place that you're at. I was there this time, 12 years ago. You um, gotta love it. it. <laughs> It's what I knew I needed to do with my life. And every step of the way, I was like, this, is, this was definitely the right decision. So you know, I made it to first group out in Fort Lewis and deployed pretty, pretty quickly to the Philippines, uh, to Afghanistan for seven months, you know, came right back in a seven month time frame off, like went to Thailand for a month and a half, found ourselves right back in Afghanistan. And seven months into that deployment uh, in the Northwestern part in Faryab province, uh, this is September 25th, 2011, in the 10th uh, hour of firefight while going around the corner of a building, got shot in the stomach. And, you know, the injuries were, were pretty severe. Yeah, within a 45 minutes, I'm on an operating table asking for my last rites. I wake up four days later in Germany. And you know, that's really when a lot of my struggles, I think that's started, right? You know, you, you wake up and 20% of your colon removed, your hip is fractured. Uh, my left leg was paralyzed due to all the, the nerve damage. And so from there, it was, it was pretty apparent uh, after a couple months, there was no way I was going to be able to stay on a team anymore. Um, so I had to go through thousands of hours of physical therapy, was relearning how to walk again, and then also like having to do experimental surgeries. And you know, throughout that time frame, uh, that's when I was like, all right, it's time to start thinking about what you want to do with the rest of your life. And I uh, retired in the fall of 2013. Wow, man, you know, uh, as you're telling the story and you're talking about your injuries, you know, waking up to that, you know, uh, uh, I relate to that. Mine was not, not in combat, but it was in a training accident. And that thing happened to me, man. I opened my eyes and I, I wake up and I was like, what the hell is going on, right? 
I didn't even know where I was. I didn't even know. To me, I thought we were about to do an assault in a building and then I was going to go home and pick up my son, you know? So I'm like, yeah, I mean, we all, when I opened my eyes, I'm like, oh, shit, I'm late. I got to go and pick up my son. Uh, and um, so that feeling, like you said, I don't want to be back in the team. I've been there, man. I go like, holy snap. It's like you, everything starts going through your head. You're like, what now? You know, because, and I think that the hardest part in that is that you, you're a badass this one minute and next minute you can do shit by yourself. Uh, exactly. You know, you're asking your buddies to come over and help you move your couch because uh, you, you can't do that. Or, you know, people needed to help me put my socks on for a little while. Um, it, it was yeah. just such a dose of humility for me. And, you know, when I would start learning, like started to learn how to walk again, I'd be in the grocery store at the PX or something, and I'm trying to grab something off the shelf, and I don't plant my foot right. And next thing you know, I'm like, you know, taking the whole shelf of like cans <laughs> down or something. <laughs> but I, I'd say like that process of literally having to pick myself up off of the floor, probably a thousand times, uh, that that was great training for my transition out of the military. I want to touch on that, like right there, because uh, it's it's something that a lot of people don't understand is. They're like, oh, well, you just get up, just go do it. But when you actually get to that point where you are on the ground, you've fallen or you're, you're in the, the, it happened to me, I was in the bathtub and all of a sudden my whole lower body just went, no, just, I couldn't move anything. I had no, like everything was paralyzed and I had to drag myself up naked and, you know, naked and afraid, soaping wet. Yeah, it was a beautiful bubble bath. And I had to crawl out of it, drag myself into the labor room and call somebody and be like, Hey, I cannot feel my legs. Uh, can you come help me in? And just, so you know, I'm going to be naked. And they're like, is this a booty call? And I'm like, no, bro. I actually like, I need some help. And you're like, you're, you're using every aspect of your mind that we, the, that you're so used to being able to overcome just mentally, like willpower, anything that we've done in our careers up to that point but your body's not responding. And, and when you talk about reaching for something off a shelf and taking that whole shelf, I've lost feeling in my whole left side for years. And I'll grab a, I would grab a thing of milk off the counter, turn, and either two things will happen. The milk would be still on the counter or completely poured on the floor because my hand let go of it and I had no control. And that's the point I'm trying to make right now is that that is the scariest thing for us to, to have to deal with because we are so up to that point, you know, in the, the SF groups and, the, and the, that high level of readiness, you are in control of everything around you so much. Now they were control freaks, but we just have that control. And to go to that point, you have no, you have no control. It, your, your body's basically going, fuck you. You're screwed. This is what we're going to do now. And you can't link the two. Yeah. So that's, that's the, that's like, that's where I want to jump in to this point. Now that we talk about the transitioning and your injuries and, and going from that, you know, go mode to <laughs> useless mode, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's not fun, uh, but, but you know what? It, it take it takes a while for you to start thinking about it and, you know, going like, uh, like remember in shot show when we uh, uh one of the, our our many episodes with TJ Tejada and yeah and uh, he said you know what at one point I had to look at myself and say you're always being a leader and you got to lead your family and if if you 
if you start showing them that you're defeated, that's what you're teaching them. So that's what got him motivated. Uh, he said, I cannot let my kids see me like this. It's like, yeah, I'm in a wheelchair now, but guess what? I'm going to make the best out of it. I'll be the fastest guy in a wheelchair. I'll tell you that. And I'll tell you what, he's pretty good with a wheelchair. He, he moves he around like, like he's the boss. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, hey, what's going on, Nate? Well, you look so upset. Oh, man, I got a chip in my windshield, and it's driving me nuts. Uh, don't stress, brother. Uptown, contact Javi in Uptown Autoglass. Oh, that's right, Javi. Columbus, Georgia, right? Yeah, Uptown Autoglass. Let me tell you, all your glass needs, Javi will take care of. They're, they're located in Columbus, Georgia. Check them out, 706-681-6304. You don't have to cry it anymore. He'll take care of you. Oh. So, Kevin, so you retire. Retirement happens. You know, you, you get your, your DD-214, and uh, all of a sudden, you know, uh, you, you're doing your, your uh, uh, terminal leave and all that good stuff, and then one day you realize, whoo, from this point forward, I am officially not longer in the Army. How, yeah. how, how did that hit? It was, uh, it was surreal, right, because – you spend so much of your time there, you know, as a Green Beret, it's not a job, it's a lifestyle, right? And that was just like the mentality uh, that you have. And then all of a sudden you're, you're kind of walking away and you're like, wow, this is, this is it. Um, so luckily for me, I, I'd set up a couple things before I retired, right? Like I, you know, we talked earlier about like, you know, when you're hurt like that, you, you just got to pick yourself back up, right? When you lose everything, you got to, set your sights on something great, like, and understand what you can bring to the table. And so one of the things that I did was say, all right, I'm going to go to like a top tier graduate school, right? Like that was the reason that was getting me up in the morning, you know, that was getting me going, getting me going to physical therapy, you know, like through all the humbling nature of my physical limitations. And I'm like, all right, this is something I can strive for here. Uh, so I, I applied to Harvard Business School, to MIT's Business School, and to the Harvard School of Government. Got rejected by both Harvards and was waitlisted at MIT. So I bought a plane ticket from Seattle to Boston, just walked up to the admissions office unannounced and said, hey, thanks for the spot on the waitlist, uh, but what do I got to do to actually get in now? And like, was, the woman was <laughs> terrified like that <laughs> I, I, I was doing this. Uh, but then, uh, you know, three months later, in and so, so luckily for me, I was able to, to go to grad school after I got out. Uh, but the thing is, is like, that was it, right? That was like the only plan that I had. I really had no idea of how I wanted to approach the rest of my life. Like, okay, what did I want to get out of grad school? What am I thinking about doing? Like, I thought I would just go there and figure it out um, and thought it would be this easy type of thing. But, you know, we had a, a kid a month into the first term of grad school, which is hard. I had like a week or two in between driving from Seattle out to Boston. And, you know, not to mention the fact that MIT, I mean, they like math quite a bit, JP. And uh, I had this liberal arts background and, you know, I, I would be sitting in class and I would just be like, I have no clue what anybody here is uh, even talking about right now. And I would have to like, they would have to like repeat things for me. And I'm like, it was so, it was, it was almost like as embarrassing and humbling for me as like when I got hurt and I, I couldn't physically do things anymore where it's like, I'm like trying to convince you, I'm like, look, I promise you I used to be good at something, right? Like just not anything <laughs> here. And so that, that first wow, term, that first term of business school for me was, was, was very humbling. I'd never wanted to quit anything more in my life. Um, I struggled academically. 
Um, I was in a lot of physical and mental pain too. It hadn't even been two years since I got shot when I started. And so, you know, so I just when you didn't were in school, you were still classmates. going through physical therapy? Yeah, I mean, I was doing a lot of it on my own, you know, um, okay. and, and I, I probably neglected that too much in the first like two years of grad school, which was kind of like the self-repeating cycle of, of leading to more pain. Okay. But yeah, the ability for me at, at that point, like they, it just hit me like a ton of bricks, how different my twenties had been compared to my peers. And I was just would sit there and be like, how do I even talk to these people? How do I relate anything to them? And to be honest, I became pretty bitter. I became pretty cynical, right? Cause I was struggling in the classroom. Um, I saw my classmates who, you know, who had spent their, their twenties in business. And I was like, wow, you know, I gave up my twenties, you know, I gave up my twenties to serve. And here I am crippled man. I feel like I'm behind professionally right now. And it was kind of this bitterness. And I, I shut a lot of people out. I shut out like the advice that people would give me. And so when I, I went and interviewed for my first set of interviews that January uh, for, for my internship, I got rejected by 16 out of 17 companies. And the only company wow. that gave me an internship offer was Amazon. And it was because I got interviewed by a Marine Corps uh, special, uh, force recon uh, retired colonel. Uh, and so for me, like I left that, like the bitterness went even higher through the roof, like the cynicism that I had, uh, just completely angry. Like, wow, man, I can't believe like I, I'm where I am right now. Don't people know who I am? I felt, I felt like I deserve things, right? And I think that that's an entitlement thing that sometimes veterans go through when they get out. Like I thought I was entitled to these things, but it just dawned on me one day. I was like, hey, man, if 16 out of 17 companies say no to you. It's not them that needs to change, buddy. It's you. And so that was the big wake up call for me and my transition about like really starting to understand like how I was presenting myself, having to work on that bitterness, having to work on that cynicism, work on my mental and emotional baggage that accumulated from all the deployments. And once I, I started doing that, you know, things started, started going much better. So, uh, so if you don't mind, how, how do you work on that? How, how do you work on changing the way you, you, you know, you went to these interviews, did you take any classes or that was you on your own trying to figure it out? You know, what, what am I doing wrong? Am I, am I coming too aggressive? Do, do, am I trying to sound too cool? You know, cause a lot of times we do that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, um, I think, you know, some of the big problems were, there was like twofold, right? Like I needed to take advice from other people and criticism from them, right? I needed to understand that I didn't know everything. And that was one thing. But then there was also just like, I think a lot of self-work that I had to do on myself. Uh, really early on back at first group after I got hurt, I reached out to the group psychologist uh, because of everything that was happening to me and the pain, the mental pain, the physical pain. And we did a lot of holistic work, like, like journaling, meditation, yoga, these things that I could practice. And I kind of had gotten away from them that first term because everything was just about, I have a new baby and I have school and I'm just like, working 20 hours a day here. And so I realized I was like, hey, I need to start doing the self-work again, right? I need to get back to journaling. I need to get back to doing yoga, meditation, practicing gratitude, and like just understanding how great my life actually is here. To, to, to wash away that bitterness, to wash away that cynicism, to put that stuff to bed. Uh, but then also too, like I needed to humble myself and, and talk to my classmates and say like, and understand that they had done things in their life too, right? Like. I wasn't the only person in that class who had done something just because they didn't serve didn't mean that they didn't do something incredible. And so 
you know, I'm here, I'm 29 years old. I have a 24 year old who's like helping me think about career fields and helping me with my interviewing techniques. And, you know, the more that I could have these conversations with people and like take advice from our career development office, like, the big thing that I need to do in these interviews is be able to really relate to these civilians what a Green Beret does, right? So that they understand it. And not just what a Green Beret does, but then the value that I could then bring to the company. Once I was able to do that, like, you know, knock the interviews out of the park, but it took a long time for me to understand and like think about that pitch that I was going to be able to give to them and understand how I could relate that to people. And, you know, I think a lot of that self-work that I did also too, it just came across in my demeanor, my personality, right? I was happier, wasn't as bitter, wasn't as cynical. Oh, well, and, and uh, so while you're going through this and you're, you know, you're, you're going through all this, uh, all this trouble, if you want to call it that way, or, or struggles through college. How was this also affecting your home? Yeah, no, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> I just, I, you're like, damn it, JP. I didn't expect that one. <laughs> My wife is going to listen to here. this. <laughs> uh, yeah, should I bring her in? You're going to get a real earlobe from, from, from her. That's when, you get, that's when you get the truth. When she comes in the room, we're like, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, the yeah. humility comes out there. <laughs> yeah. Hey, my wife, right, tough New Englander, right? I get shot. I get back. She's giving me a sponge bath. And I'm like, hey, you know what? Should we? Let's just get a divorce. I don't think it's going to work out. She's like, get a divorce? You kidding me, asshole? I'm giving you a sponge bath right now. <laughs> You know, she's the one that, that staged like an intervention, right? She sat me down. She, she like made me get off my pain meds, really kind of gave me the ultimatum. And that's really what, what set my course going. So she's tough, man. She does not, you know, say sometimes I was like, could you just show me a little bit more sympathy, please? Um, but <laughs> this was, you know, the home life was hard, right? Because the way that I knew to conquer something was to completely throw my entire self into it and like put the blinders up and that's it. Nothing else mattered. And so that's how I attacked school. Right. And that's how I felt like I'm providing for my family here. I'm taking care of them because I'm going to school. I'm getting this education. And I'm trying to get these jobs. But at the end of the day, you know, this was a transition. It's not just a transition for you. It's a transition for your spouse. For my wife, we've been in, you know, married when we were 23. Right? So she was used to the, the military life. We move across the country, um, you know, she, we have a kid, right? just so many life changes all at once. And I did a terrible job neglecting that, JP, um, in, in terms of like the needs that she would have throughout this transition. It, was, like, it wasn't just about me, right, which I kind of like focused on myself there. It was about her and kind of what she was going through. And, you know, to be honest, too, I, now I've, I've never even talked about this on a, on a podcast before, but... I try to be as transparent as possible. It took me a long time to, to, to mention this, but like, I felt like I struggled like a little bit, honestly, like connecting with my child. Um, and you know, even connecting with my wife, because there'd be times where my wife would just look at me and she'd be like, dude, you're back in Afghanistan, aren't you? Um, and it was just still me mentally working through things, um, dealing with trauma, dealing with experiences. Um, you know, when I would hear my daughter cry, it would remind me of a time of like working on a three-year-old in Afghanistan or a shrapnel wound like all up and down her arm. And uh, so I, th I think it's, it, it was just a really tough time for me uh, just in general and for the whole family. I just, we were, it wasn't just me transitioning, it was everybody else, you know, getting out there. 
but I think, you know, once I came to that realization of that I needed to really take a look at, at who I was and how I was presenting myself, like, I noticed things definitely got better, you know, within the family relationship with my child, with my wife. Um, and that's kind of where the progress really got to start. Well, you know, that's good because uh, uh, remember, actually, very last episode, we actually uh, talk about this, that a lot of times we, we decide, okay, we're, we're transitioning and we're going through all these transition struggles and we forget to include our families in those struggles <clears throat> because they're, they're struggling with us as well. Uh, you know, they're, like, like you said, she's used to the military life. She understands what's going on and now all of a sudden you're out. So uh, moving to a different city, uh, whatever that might be. And uh, one of the things that we mentioned the last uh, episode as well was that a lot of times we make career decisions after we retire, right? Like, oh, I want to get a job here. I'm going to go to Afghanistan for two years or I'm going to do this and that. And we don't include them in that conversation. We just take a job, decide to pick up the family and move to a different city. And they were never included in the conversation. They just go. And then that's when trouble starts because it's like, hey, listen, <laughs> calm the hell down you're not in the military where you're forced to move and do all this stuff anymore right. now we can actually have a choice so how about i get included in that you know so yeah I, I, a lot of us make that mistake and i, I mean i didn't go through that one because when i transitioned i was already divorced don't ask me which wife number was that but uh yeah <laughs> i was already divorced so i didn't go through that i i got out and like hey it's just me and my dogs and my son coming here you know on the weekend so uh but but yeah, I know a lot of a lot of people that went through that. Uh, and uh, a question that before I forget, because you know I got TBI before I forget, a question I was going to ask you about uh, going through college. Uh, so you were saying that you you wanted to have a plan, you wanted to have, uh, go to college, and and um, and have a plan for after that. Uh, what was your plan after college? And, and the reason I ask you that is because we see a lot of people that get out of the military. And their very first thing is like, I got to go to college. But they got no idea what the hell they're going to college for. They just go to college because they want to have a degree or a diploma in their, in their uh, living room. But they still got no idea what after college. Did you have a plan for that? And, and what was it, if you don't mind sharing? No, so I, I didn't. Um, and, you know, I thought like, oh, my plan is I'll go to grad school. And I'll figure it out there. Like, I'm just, I'm going to get a master's in business and I'm going to go into business. And like, you know, like the first day I'm there, I'm like, well, dude, you better figure out like, what is business? Because <laughs> right? it's a pretty broad <laughs> term. <laughs> there's a couple of things you can probably do there. And so I think it, it's tough when you go into a situation like that and you're just like, the world is your oyster, right? You kind of talked about it earlier. Like the military is not telling you where to go or what to do anymore. You can do anything. And initially you're like, this is amazing. And then it's crushing anxiety and super overwhelming. You're like, holy shit, I can do anything. Well, what do I want to do? And so I didn't do a very good job, in my opinion, of listening to myself and really understanding myself about what I wanted to do. So I, I had a chip on my shoulder, right? Like I was going to show people, I was like, I'm this veteran that can transition out of the military, right? Like, you know, I want to show people that. And so whenever somebody would say to me, well, Kevin, you should think about this type of career or doing this because you're really good at it in the military and you probably really like it. I'd be like, all right, yeah, I don't want to do it. No, no. And, and that's not for me uh, yeah, because I had this chip, right? I, I was still working on that humility piece, JP, right? It'll, it'll be yeah. working with me until the day I die. Uh, so ultimately I went into finance 
uh, because I was like, well, this is very different than the military. It's not, it's an individual sport. Um, it's super in the weeds on the numbers and was very fortunate to land at Goldman Sachs. And it was a great experience. I learned a ton about markets, business development, evaluating opportunities, like putting myself out there, great education. It's a great firm to work for if you want to be in finance. But what I found was I was like, man, I really miss all those things about the military that, you know, people were saying to me, you'd be good at. And I was like, no, I don't want to do it. And so I, I realized that like, look, you need to kind of be very truthful with yourself here. Very similar to that awakening that I had when I got rejected by so many companies. It's like, you need to reach in where you got to do a lot of self-reflection. You got to start to think about the things that you really want, like out of a job. And did a lot of soul search and thought about what I loved as a Green Beret, what I hated as a Green Beret, like what I liked and what I didn't like about my current role and thought about kind of like what I wanted to do in the future. And it really, I distilled it down to five things, right? I always want to be leading people, mentoring them, motivating, solving problems and learning, right? And if I can do those five things, I'm going to be really happy, you know, in the job that I am. And so from there, I, 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 like I had, that was like a much better plan. Right. But I had to, like, I was a kid, I had to touch the hot stove a couple of times. Right. And I thought I'd just go into finance. I thought I'd make money. I thought that'd make me happy. Didn't. Right. But I had to learn that lesson. And you know, I say to a lot of vets, like the first job you have, it, it's probably not going to be the one you end up with, but you're going to learn more from doing something that you don't really like. If you're truthful with yourself, if you're honest, right. If you have that humility, and then that's going to really help you think about what your next steps are. So Basically, once I had this realization and kind of understood the direction I wanted to go, I just started cold emailing, cold calling anybody in Boston that would talk to me, uh, running through my story, who I was, this is what I went through. I had the Green Beret pitch nailed, right? Like, this is what Green Berets do, and this is how I can help your company. And you know, if you let me do these five things, I'll, I promise a high return on investment. And so I got in front of the CEO of my current company, and after we talked for an hour, he's like, look, man. I don't even know what I want you to do here, but I want you part of the team. So just created a position for me. I've been there for over two years now. Oh, well, that's, that's been, freaking awesome, man. Yeah. yeah so, so I think, right, to kind of go back to your original point, like going, I think going to grad school or getting your undergrad is a great thing to do. And it's a great place to kind of figure things out, um, especially, right? You're going to have the GI bill. They're going to be paying you to go to school. But, you know, you can figure things out, but you have to be truthful to yourself. Right? You have to really understand what you want out of your next role. Um, and so then that way you can start to narrow down what you're looking for. And if you can understand the things that you need and what makes you tick, then you can start to really cast away a lot of other industries and narrow that focus down. That's good. So what I'm hearing from what you're saying, Kevin, and it, it echoes a lot of what Carlos said in one of our original shows and everything too, is, one, it's how you present yourself um, to these people. And when you said 16 out of 17 uh, internships said, you know, you're not for us. And then that humility and understanding, okay, look, I have to work on myself. I'm not uh, entitled to anything. It, it comes to a zeroing point. When you transition out, you do have to relearn a bunch of new skills for this new environment, uh, this new lifestyle and, and whatnot. Um, the new business world, the civvy side of things. And then you also have to uh, <laughs> uh, wave to whoever's in the window. The, uh, the skill set for the family side of it is very important as well, because you're not just transitioning yourself. 
your family is losing all that support, the uh, family organizations on base and the gyms and the, that community, they're losing that as well. And then the other, the third part about transitioning that I'm hearing from your story as well is when you're at that spot where you can't do things for yourself and your stubbornness and, and you haven't quite reached that humility, like I need help, then those moments of, of honesty um, and where I'm trying to go with this is it's, you're going to have those moments of darkness. You're going to have those moments of self self doubt. You're going to have those moments of feeling completely, utterly useless, vulnerable, weak. Um, and you're going to want to like, just say, screw it, you know, uh, or whatever. Don't because, um, there is, <laughs> Uh, right now, my, my, my TBI is telling me that, you know, the Annie song, the sun comes out tomorrow. Well, sometimes the sun doesn't come out because it's a stormy day the next day, but there's a sun out there somewhere. But the point I'm trying to make here is that tomorrow is a whole nother day. It's a whole nother chance to do it. And when it, and touching back to, um, 20 something million years ago, when I was a young private going through battle school, the uh the one of the instructors is like your generation is the nintendo generation you guys always reach for that stupid reset button instead of trying to finish the levels or figuring out your problems you always reach for that stupid reset button well life doesn't really have a reset button and jp's story and your story kevin and other ones that we've heard on the shows and we're going to hear down the road it's not reaching that, that reset button it's taking stock of what's available to you what your assets are what your uh, disadvantages are and making those weaknesses into strengths is, is what I'm trying to say. And that's what I've heard from your story to, uh, during the last uh, bit there, Kevin. And I thank you because right now the social isolation and everything that I've got going around me, even though I've transitioned out and blah, 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 and I've got an awesome beard, I'm struggling right now because the world has just changed. I, I spent years figuring out what I want to be when I grow up. I turned 41. I had these amazing things I was going to figure out and do and projects. You know, I'm not identifying as a, as a retired soldier anymore. I'm identifying as this and the business world. And then, you know, 2020 happened. And as I said, you know, it's the year that James <laughs> Bond failed. And, you know, all the, the evil geniuses have masterminds the apocalypse. I have to now transition again and realize that, okay, you haven't lost that much. You've got this skill set from the first time you transitioned into a different world so you can do it again. And then hearing what you've just said, Kevin, reminded me that it's possible. So if I can hear that with my stubbornness and pigheadedness and, and lack of humility, then hopefully everybody else can understand that too and, and move forward with it. So I thank you for sharing your story and being transparent. And that was a key word that you said that I, I love. The world needs more transparency. We need more transparency in our the people we talk to, in ourselves, and in the projects that we're doing. So thank you for being transparent with us today, Kevin. Hey, no problem. I uh, really appreciate you guys giving me the opportunity to speak. You know, I think an experience is worth nothing unless you share it. So the purpose of my life is to just take the lessons that I've learned through, you know, getting hurt, recovery process, the transition, and give those to other people, veterans and non-veterans alike, hopefully inspire them. Yeah, and for all our listeners out there, you can follow Kevin on, on Instagram, uh, Wounded by War, 
you can find it on, or we're also going to post it uh, on our social media once we post the episode. Uh, Wounded by War, follow him. Uh, man, Kevin, I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, you got no idea. I related to you. Like, as you were talking, I was relating to a lot of the things that you were saying. Uh, not, not, only, not only in the transition portion, but also, you know, during the injuries. Uh, uh, I went through some bad shit as well. And I'm going like, holy shit. I, was a, I wonder if I was that, that stubborn as well. I don't know. I'm going to have to ask my ex. She'll probably tell me. Yes, you were. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, she got no love. She'll tell me. Uh, but anyways, uh, no, we really appreciate it. Uh, we we, uh, we got to thank your spouse for putting up with you and, and keeping you straight, right? So she's our hero as well. Uh, so we, we got to appreciate that. And uh, the, uh, do you have, so you do uh, public speaking and you're also on Alpha. Can you tell us real quick about that? And if you got any events coming up or anything that you want to share with the audience, uh, this, this is your platform real quick. Sure. Yeah. Well, the first thing I'll tell you is I just looked out the window and my four-year-old was chasing my six-year-old with a rake and my six-year-old was naked. So I was like, wow, <laughs> what is, what is going on right now? Quarantine. So I, just a normal day. Just a normal day with kids. That is a normal quarantine day here in this house right now. So I'm sure I'll be stepping into something after this. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, you know, um, you know, yeah, you know, it's a couple of things that I'd love to love to promote. And, uh, you know, JP, you'd mentioned my, my Instagram, right? I try to, I get out there, I'm really transparent. It's PTSD awareness a month, right? So I'm posting stuff about myself, the PTSD uh, problems that I had, the, you know, how I was able to overcome those things. Uh, that's just kind of an example of what I try to do with that page. And, you know, a lot of the stuff that keeps me going, right? Lessons I'm learning in transition, business lessons that I'm learning. So you can follow me at uh, Wounded by War on Instagram, a Facebook page, also a website. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of the speaking events that I've had have been canceled uh, due to COVID, uh, but starting to pick up and do a lot of virtual sessions with companies. So, you know, if you're interested in having me do a virtual session with your company, I talk a lot about resilience, overcoming obstacles, and basically, you know, going through a terrible situation, but getting the most out of it and becoming a better person because you were able to push your boundaries through there. Um, and then, you can get in contact with me through through uh, social media or my website, uh, but then also, you know, pitch here for the Green Beret Foundation. I'm on the board of directors of the Green Beret Foundation. The foundation was there for my wife and I from day one uh, when I was at in the hospital, right? No questions asked. Uh, they helped me out throughout the whole time when I was going through the retirement process. And then even when I retired, went to grad school, they were there supporting my wife and I while I lived pension check to pension check in Boston. Let me tell you, it's expensive to live there. <laughs> And I have a family. So when I got to a place where I was like physically, mentally, emotionally in a, in a good spot, you know, I really started speaking up on behalf of the foundation and just enlightening the public to, hey, like, this is what Green Berets are. This is what they do um, in the world. And guess what? This is what can happen to them. But this is why the foundation is there and why it exists. And so I had the great fortune to, uh, to join the board in 2018, you know, usually run a couple events. Uh, you know, one, one big event a year at Sig Sauer up here in New Hampshire, a you know, day of like one-on-one -on -one shooting. Unfortunately, we had to cancel it uh, this year, but luckily, uh, you know, hopefully bring that back in 2021. So, um, you know, can't, can't speak highly enough for that, uh, that foundation and uh, what, what they continue to do for the guys. That's awesome. Yeah. I, uh, I, I speak often to Frances, so she's, she's an amazing human being. I'll tell you that much. Oh yeah. She's the best. 
And, you know, I speak with her quite a bit and it's like sending texts late at night, like, Hey, can, can we get this done? And she's like, no problem. All right. So it's uh, really enjoyed it. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, once again, uh, Kevin, thank you. Cause I know you got, you got kiddos running around there uh, trying to kill each other. So uh, once again, we really appreciate you joining us for everybody, all our listeners out there. Just remember uh, there's other people out there struggling as well. Some people that actually overcame those struggles. So reach out to them, the, uh, talk to them. You know, it's not the end of the world. Uh, if you were in the military, if you were in law enforcement, EMS, whatever that might be, uh, just understand that you went through, through worse than that. You've been through worse and you can make it through life. Like life should be easy for you at, the, at this point. Of course, you're going to have struggles, but hey, you're strong. If not, you wouldn't, wouldn't be doing the job that you were doing. So uh, we appreciate all of you and whatever you do, please do not cash out. Don't cash out. Take us away, Nate. Thank you to our main sponsors, NOS Defiance Group, LLC, Uptown Auto Glass, and ATAX Canada. Oh, man. Dad asked you have a plan. He said, I do. Gonna go protect this land. This song is for you. Young girl. Could have been anything in the world, but she chose to serve. Gave her life such a sacrifice. This song is for you.